Philippians is one of they call the uh, prison epistles because Paul wrote Philippians. I think it was Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. He wrote these epistles while he was in prison. And somewhere around the time of 60 A.D., and some believe that Paul was around the age of 65 when he wrote these. And so Philippians gets its name from the people who lived in Philippi. Amen. And it was named after Philip of Macedon, who was the father of Alexander the Great. And it was called the Miniature Rome, um, gateway to to the England, if you will, gateway to that uh, section of, of part of the country. But Paul goes to Philippi on one of his missionary journeys, and he had these different missionary journeys. But on the first missionary journey, he took with him Barnabas, and he took another man by the name of John Mark with him. And so after their first missionary journey, they're talking and they're saying, you know, they want to, they need to go back on another journey. And so Paul and Barnabas start talking and planning out their their uh, route and their journey. And Barnabas wants to call John Mark again and bring him along with us. But on the first missionary journey, John Mark left him in the middle of their journey and went back. Whether he got scared, I don't know what the deal was. But anyway, it upset Paul. And Paul said, no, we're not t- taking John Mark with us this time. And uh, Barnabas says, yeah, we, we need to take him with us. And the Bible says that the contention was so strong before them, between them, that they parted ways. So Barnabas takes John Mark with him, and Paul takes Silas with him on this next missionary journey. And so they come, and it's, you know, they're trying to decide. They want to extend the gospel into all the land, and that's what Paul's purpose and intention was. But, you know, as he went, they wanted to go, I think it was into Asia, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit forbade them to go that way. And then they wanted to go another direction and said the Holy Spirit forbade them to go that way. And they were in the city of Troas, and Paul has this, in the night, he has this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, the reason I'm I'm going to get somewhere with why I'm telling you all this, but I like that kind of stuff. I like the history behind the book, and it helps bring the book alive more. But as they were going, so now they... Paul says, I think we need to go to Macedonia. I saw this man saying, come on over here and help us out. So that's the direction they headed. When they get there, they find uh, some women that are gathered together for a little church or whatever you would have. But there's a certain woman there by the name of Lydia, the seller of purple. You probably heard these things if you've read the book of Acts. But she believed in all of her house. So they had this convert by the name of Lydia. And as Paul's preaching in the area, Philippi, and um, there's this girl that the Bible says possessed with uh, the spirit of deviation, which just means she was like a soothsayer or she could tell the future or kind of like a devil's prophet, if you will. But And the Bible says that because of her ability, she had masters it was a slave girl she was a slave girl so um, they got much gain because she was able to do this she brought them a lot of money by it well they she comes around paul and them and she follows them for several days saying these are the men of god which preach the way to salvation and so the next day she just kept doing it more and more and finally paul even though she was teaching the truth or talking the truth. They were men of God that were preaching the way of salvation. Paul understood that she had a devil in her. Amen. And he turned around and rebuked her, rebuked the devil out of her. And the Bible says that the devil came out of her that same hour. Well, because that happened, her masters got upset because they were losing their income from them. 
So they get Paul and Silas and they bring them into the center of the city or the town square or whatever you will. And they bring accusations against us and the whole city rises up against Paul and Silas. And the Bible says they beat them with many stripes and they throw them in prison. And at midnight, the Bible says why they're in prison, Paul and Silas sing praises unto God. And the Bible said that the prisoners heard them. And there was a great earthquake. And if you don't know this story, you can look in, I think it's Acts chapter 16, 15, 16, somewhere in that area. Talks about this. But there was this great earthquake and uh, everybody's bands were loosened in the prison and uh, the gate was opened. And the Bible says that the Philippian jailer, we don't get his name, it's just the Philippian jailer. He uh, was going to kill himself because back then when you have prisoners in your charge and you lose your prisoners, then they come and kill you anyway. So he's going to take his own life. But Paul yells out and says, don't take your life. We're still all here. And anyway, through this process, Paul is able to witness to this Philippian jailer. He gets saved, gets baptized, him and his household. So now Paul has this church that's established here in Philippi. He's got this little church. and But the story, as we read the story, I just thought, you know, I want us to think about the scenario that takes place. You know, Paul sees this vision. He goes to, to this place where he thinks he needs to be going. He gets beaten with many stripes and thrown in jail. And... As far as we know, he never did find, he's probably looking for this man that he saw in the vision, right? This man from Macedonia that was saying, come on over here, come on over here. And so it never did happen that way that Paul thought it would. But, and I just was, as I was thinking about this study and just studying about the book of uh, Philippians, you know, it's interesting, you know, Paul had to think, right? Or am I the only one that thinks this? Paul had to think. Am I in the will of God or not in the will of God? And the whole reason that I pulled up, uh, point out all this situation is that, you know, sometimes the will of God just isn't plain and simple. Amen. We have to walk in what we know. You've got to just walk in the truth. And you just, sometimes somebody said to me not too long ago, he says, I can't feel God. I don't know what to do. I'm waiting on the Lord to move. And I don't know if God's going to move for me or not. And I just said, you know, sometimes you just got to move yourself. <laughs> You've got to go ahead and take that step. We don't always have a clear, clear path of what God wants us to do. But what does the Bible says? The footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Amen. You just pray and you do the best you can. Sometimes you do get in the wrong place. Paul was in the right place. <laughs> He was in the right place and he still got beat and he still got thrown in prison, you know, and there's a whole lot more to that story. But if you think about that, and then when you read all the commentaries on Philippians, they all said this was one of Paul's favorite places. You know, this was one of his favorite. He writes back to them with a lot of love and passion and personal writing, not a whole lot of doctrine is found in it, just a whole lot of passion towards them. But you think he he didn't really have a very good time in that city if he got beat to the fact that the Philippian jailer took him home and washed all of his wounds off of his back and everything. But, you know, it didn't matter to Paul and to Silas because even when they were in prison, bound, beaten, what did they do? They sang praises unto God. So that's the first key to our walk with the Lord that in everything give him praise it doesn't matter where you are in your walk with the Lord it doesn't matter whether you're on a high note tonight and there's some people that are probably doing okay you know your your things seem to be going in the right direction things are good and and you and uh you know you got a lot of praise in your life some people here tonight might be in the bottom of the barrel because we don't always know because we hide our situations, we hide our feelings, we hide where we're really out. But God knows. 
And it doesn't matter whether you're on the mountaintop tonight or in the valley. It doesn't matter that you're not in the will of God. Amen. It doesn't mean that you're not in the will of God. And God has your back wherever you're at. But the book of Philippians, one of the major themes is it is joy. And the word joy or rejoice or rejoicing or rejoiced is used 17 times in this epistle. So it's interesting to me what Paul went through and all the mess that he went to. He still had joy for the town and the people of Philippi. Amen. And so I just wanted to go through um, some of these chapters here, all of them. There's only four. It's a short It's a short book. Um, The first chapter, we just want to talk about encouragement. Paul gives the people. So what Paul did, he would leave there and then he would uh, establish a church and then he'd go back. But, you know, it wasn't like today where we could get on the Internet or call him up on the telephone. Right. He had to write letters to him. So after he'd already been there, established churches, he'd go keep on his missionary journey, but then he would write letters back to the people that he had established churches at. And so that's the case here in Philippians. And in chapter one, we'll call this the encouragement chapter. And looking at uh, Philippians chapter one and verse three, it says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meant for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, that you are partakers of my grace. And so we need to realize here in this first section that being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he's going to perform it. Amen. Sometimes we can get way out there and feel like, you know, God doesn't have my zip code anymore. But if he's called you, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God's got a calling for you, amen, and he's going to perform that until Jesus Christ comes back, amen. A lot of times we, I think we look on um, the things that we don't have. We always look on the things that we don't, well, the things that we've lost, right? I guess that's human nature. But we want to tonight be encouraged and to look at the things that you do have. Sometimes we miss the blessings of God because we're so concerned or so tied up in the things that we don't have. And the Bible's full of examples how God doesn't need a lot to move. Amen. God doesn't need a lot. I think comes to mind is Gideon. God called Gideon and the angel called him thy mighty man, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, who, me? He said, I'm the least in my father's house. And my father's house is the least in the, in the kingdom of Israel. And, but he said that the Lord had called him. So he accepted the challenge. And so he rallies the men and they rally behind him. 32,000 men sh- uh, show up to fight who they say is probably over a hundred thousand Midianites, but. That nonetheless, these 32 men show up because it's their duty. It's their job. And God tells Gideon, you got too much, right? He said, ask everybody that's afraid to go home. 22,000 went home. (laughs) Now he's left with 10,000. All right, that's still quite a bit. We can do it, Lord. And the Lord says, it's still, still too much. He says, take them down to the water and give them the, lap dog test amen and so they takes them down there nine thousand seven hundred is that right uh of the soldiers 
did it the wrong way, took the water out of the river the wrong way. They put their heads in the water and lapped it like a dog. But the ones that took the water and brought it up to their face like this, those were the ones that God told him to keep. 300 was left. 300. And God gave him the victory. Amen. Because Gideon didn't cry about what I don't have. Amen. After he had made his decision and determined to go forth before the Lord, he trusted in the Lord. But God doesn't need a whole lot. Amen. To accomplish his will. He doesn't need anything but a willing heart. Amen. So it reminds me of the, the widow. Remember she had lost her husband and uh, the creditors were going to come and to take uh, her kids, her sons, and and the prophet came to her and says, well, what do you got in the house? And she said, I got a little cruise of oil and a couple vessels. And he says, well, go get some vessels. But he asked her the question, what do you have in your house? What is it that you have? Don't look at what you don't have, but what do you have tonight? Amen. So in your battle, uh, maybe you're thinking that you're just, there's you got nothing, that you're just, you're empty you got nothing. I want you to know God doesn't need a lot, hallelujah, to make something out of nothing. Amen. And he does that just that. And we look at the life of Job, and Job lost everything. He didn't have anything left. Amen. He had lost everything except his wife, and she was a nag. Amen. So uh, I wouldn't know anything about that. But <clears throat> I've heard stories about it. But he'd lost everything. And his comment was, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That may be all you have left to hold on to, but that's enough. I, that's all you got left is to, to grab hold of that. Amen. So God is going to perform, amen, in your life exactly what you need. We need to not look at the things that we don't have, but what do we have? Amen. What do we have? We have the Word of God. Amen. We've got a great church. Hallelujah. That'll just get you started. But you got to start thanking the Lord and praising Him for what you have. And stop looking at your situation and what you don't have. Amen. So let's keep reading there and move down to verse number 12. But I would... Ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So he said, the things that have happened to me have been for the furtherance of the gospel. So we need to look at that, too, sometimes when we are going through situations in our lives. People that are close to you, people that are around you, people at work, people in your neighborhood that you're close to. They, they know what you're going through. They're watching your life. The Bible says we're an open epistle known and read of all men. Amen. Our life speaks and they know that what you're going through and perhaps it's for a sign to them because they want to know how you do it. <laughs> how do you keep a positive attitude? How do you keep going to church when I know what you're going through? But it, Paul said it's been for the furtherance of the gospel. And in verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So his bonds were not of the Philippians or of the Romans. Amen. Paul's bonds were of Jesus Christ. And he referred a lot of times in his epistles, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Remember, when you're walking with the Lord and you're trying to do God's will, and things come about you, you just say, I'm just a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Amen. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Verse 14. So when others around you, neither in your brothers and your sisters in the Lord, don't you have a lot of respect for somebody when you know what they're going through? And you see them up here in the front worshiping God and you just think, wow, that just gives you more courage, more confidence. Amen. To trust in the Lord for all that he does. It's like when David was uh, came to fight the battle or came to watch the battle. Little David and Goliath, 
David wasn't even old enough to be there. Wasn't he, he was just a little shepherd boy that wasn't even supposed to come to the battles. And his brothers reminded of him that, you know, you shouldn't even be here. Go home and tend to your little sheep, you know. And But David thought that there was a cause because he heard this Philistine blaspheming the Almighty God. And that got David's attention. And after David slew Goliath, then that rallied all the other troops, the whole troops, the ones that were just shaken and hiding. Every time Goliath came out to challenge them, they were all afraid. But after David defeated Goliath, all the other troops rallied them and they chased and they had victory over the Philistines <clears throat> that day. Second Corinthians 9 verse 8 tells us, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficient uh, sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. <clears throat> Excuse me. God is able, amen, to make all grace abound to, toward you. That you always, everybody say always, having all, everybody say all, sufficiency in all things, you may abound to every good work. God is going to make a way. Amen. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we're serving God, that we're bound by Jesus Christ. Amen. We lose sight of the fact that there's nothing that's impossible with God. Amen. I remember hearing a um, pastor's, uh, he was called to go to a certain place and um, he started looking up. He felt the Lord wanted him to go to a certain area. He started looking up and he said, wow, you know, this is a pretty wild town. You know, I'm just from a country town and are you sure that, you know, that's where you want me to go? So he called this friend of his and um, was talking to them and, you know, said, well, you know, I've, I feel like I need to go to this certain place. And his friend even told him where it was. So God had already spoke to him. He said, so what's the problem? And he says, well, you know, it's a pretty wicked area. And, you know, I got two teenagers. And the response was, well, if God called you there, he's going to keep your kids. Amen. And he said, well, I also looked up the fact that, you know, it's really expensive to live there. And the guy on the other end says, so, so God can provide $5 for you, but he can't provide a million dollars for you. Amen. So sometimes we get our eyes on the situations around us, but it's so true that a dollar or a million dollars is nothing to God. Amen. God is able to do all things. He's able to supply whatever you need, give you all the grace that you need. Hallelujah. And he'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. Verse 19, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death expectation earnest expectation what are you expecting tonight what are you expecting in your walk with god it's the act or the state of looking forward or anticipating do you have that earnest just simply means intense so an intense state of looking forward or anticipating what god has my earnest expectation and my hope. He said, because of that, I'm never going to be ashamed. And ashamed here means disfigured or disgraced. You ever felt disfigured in your walk with the Lord? Have you ever felt out of sync? He says, I'm never going to be ashamed and nothing shall I be ashamed, but that with all boldness, amen, As always, and now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. When we're just in this to lift up the name and to magnify the name of God and further his kingdom, amen, 
we don't have to be ashamed of anything that comes our way. Hallelujah. It's a, that a shame means an exclusion from favor. We don't ever lose that in our God. Amen. But he said with all boldness or all assurance. Amen. You can have all assurance. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with the Lord. It doesn't matter how bad it seems to be, how out of whack you seem to be in your spirit, how disfigured you are, or how disgraced you feel. Amen. You are not excluded from the favor of God. You believe that? Hallelujah. God is good. <clears throat> Boldness means to have the assurance. Amen. That Jesus is going to be with you in all things. Amen. That song that says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Hallelujah. You've got to have that in your heart at the top of your expectations. But what are you expecting? What do you want from the Lord? We need to expect a change. If a change is what you need in your life, we need to expect a change in our lives. Even Jeremiah said about the Lord, he says, you know, he has an expected end for you. God's got a future for you. God knows where he's wanting you to go. Amen. And if you feel uh, out of whack, I want you to know that that's not the end of where God wants you to be. Hallelujah. He wants you to be um, blessed. He wants you to be um, assured, if you will, blessed assurance. He wants you to have that boldness. Amen. But I think we have to realize that God can turn the situation around in a moment's time. In one's day's time, God can make a difference. Amen. Don't be satisfied with where you are at. Don't just assume that. We have some assumptions that I wrote down here that, that we need to have an understanding of our situation. We don't always need to understand what we're going through. Amen? That we need a logical evaluation why we are in this situation. A lot of times we think we've done something wrong. God's mad at me. And these are all things that we need to ask ourselves, but we don't need to stay in this place. We don't need to stay in this situation. Amen. How about maybe God is just molding you and shaping you? The Bible tells us, I think it's in Romans, it says, but we glory in tribulations. For tribulations worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. Hallelujah. Or an expectation. Amen. God wants you to have that hope within you. The hope that maketh not ashamed. Amen. Don't have to be disfigured in your walk with the Lord. Amen. So expect a change and ask God to just move in your life and to help you in the situations that you don't understand and he'll be with you. He, Paul was so convinced of this in his life that he says in the next verse verse 21 for me to live is christ and to die is gain so he knew there were situations in his life that presented death and he was death was staring him at the door as he laid in prison and he knew he had to appear to rome and he knew that it was but he said for me to live is christ and for me to die is gain amen so we just need to get it in our minds it doesn't matter just like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. We just keep walking. We just keep trusting. We just keep believing in God. Amen. Verse 22, for if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. He said, I'm in a, a straight between the two, desiring to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. What's the worst thing that could happen to us in this life? We die. But if you're right with the Lord, it's a better life. Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. It's better to be with Christ, which is far better. But nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. In other words, if I die, I'm going to be in heaven. If I live, I'm going to continue to do the work of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Verse 25. <clears throat> and this 
And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for uh, your furtherance and joy in the faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Let your conversation be as one that cometh the gospel, that whether I come, Paul says, whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together, hallelujah, for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified of your adversaries. Amen. Stand fast with one spirit and in one mind striving together. Amen. That's what we need to be doing as a body of Christ is striving together. Hallelujah. For the faith of the gospel and nothing terrifying by your adversaries. Amen. The devil has no power over the church. Amen. Let's move into chapter two. And in that, first of all, he's just trying to, you know, encourage them. He wants them to realize that they can do it. They can make it. It's full of all kinds of encouragement that we just went through. But in uh, chapter two of Philippians, he's talking about, he's giving us some examples in chapter two. If there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord and in one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Amen. So Paul is saying, I want you to be like-minded like I am, having the same love and being in one accord and one mind, and that we esteem one another better than ourselves. It's important for us, and a lot of times, too, if you're going through a trial, I think one of the best ways, of course, one of them is praising for the victory. Amen. Praise God. It doesn't matter what you're going through. But when you're going through something, it's good to help somebody else, to esteem somebody else better than yourselves. And look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The love of God. We need to have the love of God in the church, in our hearts, in our lives. We need to love one another. Amen. There's no place for division. There's no place for contentions between one another, for strife and for vainglory. But the Bible says that this is how all men will know that you're my disciples, that you can heal everybody. That's not what it says, that you're able to give a big amount to the church. No, that's not what it says. This is how everyone will know that you're my disciples in that you have love one towards another. There's so much power in love and esteeming one another. And like I said, especially when you feel like you're going through it yourself, it's hard to reach out, but we need to realize that every one of us go through different situations. Every one of us has trials and tests, and we need to exhort one another, as the Bible says. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but come together and exhort one another. And so much the more as you see the day approach it. We need each other. I said we need each other. Amen. We need the love. There's no love out there in the world. Amen. The world's getting crazier and crazier and crazier. But the love of God needs to be in our hearts. And we need to present that to one another, to respect one another, to look to every man on his, and not to look every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't be so just wrapped up in your own life, but look on the things of others. What is their needs? What are they going through? And that's how we exhibit the love of God. Hallelujah. He says in uh, 2 verse 5, Let this mind also be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. So the second example here that he brings forth is that we have the example of Jesus. 
who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So all of these examples that he's uh, reading or giving to us in this second chapter, it's all about being concerned about somebody else, about looking upon the needs of others. It says that he took upon him the form of a servant. And that's what we are. We are servants for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're slaves, if you will. He said, I'm bound by Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're slaves to him. We are servants to him. And that when we realize that, then we realize, and, and don't misunderstand me here, but that we really don't have any rights, you know what I'm saying, when we're the servants of Jesus Christ. We don't have any, well, I deserve to be heard. No, we really don't have any of that when we're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took upon himself no reputation. It's almighty God that robed himself in flesh, stepped into this world, being found in the fashion as a man. In verse 8 it says, he humbled himself and became obedient. Amen. Obedient is a word that is very powerful, and we don't have very much obedience in the world today. Amen. The Bible says it's because we don't have any judgment. That's why wickedness is, comes more and more. I heard just today that San Francisco was getting so bad that the stores there, they have to lock everything up even during store hours, because if people come in shoplifting and take something, they can't do anything about it. They can't stop them. Even if it's not over $1,000, they won't even try to prosecute them. And so it's just getting so bad in that the um, people are leaving their windows down at night because they'll get broke out anyway if they leave them up. They just leave little notes there. Say the door's open, there's nothing inside the car, and it's just getting bad. Amen? But it's because we can't be obedient, and we have a lot of problems with obedience today. But in the church, we need to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to his word. Amen? He humbled himself. He became obedient unto his calling, unto death, even the death of of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Each and every one of us has to work out our own salvation. When Jesus comes, he's not coming for the members of East Wind Pentecostal Church. Amen. He's coming for those that are living for him, that have made their salvation sure. They've worked out their own salvation and they made their election and calling sure. Hallelujah. Now, this is the church where you can find your way there. But I'm just saying we need to realize that we have to, each and every one of us has the responsibility to work out that salvation. I think I said this Sunday night, but we've got to get this right. We've got to get it right. And we've got to fall under the obedience of the word of God. Amen. And that's not something that's popular today. Uh, even before I was in the church, uh, 40 some years ago, it was, it was that way and it's still that way today. We'd always say this is our life and we'll do whatever we want. We'll live however we want to live. And that's kind of how we did. We were rebellious and, and it's even worse today. Amen. But I thank God that His way is the best way. Amen. Even if you, uh, didn't live for God, they say that living by the principles of this word is still give you the best life. Even if you didn't live for God, even if you didn't come to church, if you just lived by the principles, 
that are obeyed the principles that are in the word, it's still the best life for you. But aren't you thankful that God can bring all of this, give you his spirit and his presence? And it's not like a drudgery living for God, but it's something that is exciting. And God always has something more for us. Hallelujah. But it comes through the obedience coming under the obedient hand of almighty God. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. It says, do all these things without murmuring and dis- uh, disputings. And it says we're living in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation among whom you are shine as lights in the world. That's our purpose, that we're a light that shines in this dark world. Amen. That we bring forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. The other uh, example that he uses here is verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send uh, Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He said, look at Timothy's life, look at his life, and realize that, you know, you need to be like-minded as he is. For everyone else, they seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. So there's that service again. God wants us to serve him, to serve our pastor, and to serve the vision of this church. Amen. Another one here in verse 25, yet I suppose it necessary to send in you Ephroditus. And this was a man that he said, my brother and companion in labor, a fellow soldier, but your messenger for he that minister to my wants. He talked about this man, Ephroditus, as a brother and a companion in labor, a fellow soldier and in the Lord. Amen. So all these different examples he gives in uh, chapter 2 are to help us to realize how that we need to walk with the Lord because for the work of Christ, verse 30, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his own life to supply your lack of service for me. Even this man, Ephroditus, he was he worked for the Lord. He served the Lord, even though it caused him to become ill and near unto death. He did not even regard his own life. And so as we look at these examples that we have are people, especially Jesus Christ, that gave his life. He sacrificed his life for us. Look into the word of God for the examples that we need to live for God. And the third uh, one in chapter three is Paul begins to exhort them. And one of the things that he tells them is to place no confidence in the flesh. Verse number three, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Amen. He was talking about. Uh, at that time, there was great controversy about, you know, do you need to be circumcised or not circumcised? And Paul was just saying, you know, we do not need to have confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in uh, the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath there what that he might trust in the flesh. Paul says, I have more. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul was saying, if you want to talk about just going through the motions and just doing all the right things in the flesh, he said, I got this list that I can brag, I'm, I'm way above you on all of that. He said, but those things which were gain to me, those things I counted loss for Christ. He says, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the, of Jesus Christ my Lord, for the knowledge of Jesus, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Amen. He said, I count everything that I've gained, all this flesh, fleshly things that I have gained and all these accomplishments that I do. He said, I count them as a loss. Amen. 
concerning my knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that all these things that, that we gather together in this life, and there's nothing wrong with some of it, and, but we need to realize the only thing that really counts is what we do for Jesus Christ. Amen? He says in verse 12, Not as though I've already attained, either were not already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for also for which I am apprehended in Christ Jesus. He said, not as though I have already attained. Even Paul said, there's more for me. I can go further and attain more. That should give us great comfort, amen, to realize that Paul, even he said, I've not arrived. Verse 12, not as the, or verse 13, brethren, I count uh, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and reach forth to those things which are before he said i press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of god so as we are exhorting looking at the exhortations in this one of them is forget those things which are behind so many people live in yesterday so many people live in regret and there's nothing that we can do about yesterday amen we just got to move forward into what god has for us today The other thing that he wanted us to realize that we need to maintain a walk that pleases God. In verse 15, he says, let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything uh, be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. You know, the, the psalmist said, search me and know me, Lord. Try my heart. And see if there's any wicked way within me and lead me in the, in the way of everlasting. We need to ask the Lord to search our hearts. And he's saying this here. If, if we do, God will reveal this unto us. God will reveal where we need to be going and what we need to change in our lives. If we just have uh, him at the forefront of our life and in our walk that pleases God. For many walk of whom I have told you often. And now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. We've got to get our mind off of this life. Amen. For our conversation or our citizenship, if you will, in verse 20, is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change this vile body, hallelujah, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Amen. One of these days, folks, we're going to get out of this old flesh. And he's just telling us right now, he said, don't mind earthly things. Don't allow your flesh to rule your life. Amen. One of these days, it's going to change from this old vile body into a glorious body. Hallelujah. I can't wait for that day. Amen. We no longer have to put up with the old enemy and all the the struggles of the flesh. Amen. Let's move quickly into chapter four. Just continues with some more exhortation. He says in verse uh, four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. Verse six, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't allow it to get the best of you. Bring it to the Lord. Hallelujah. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the peace of God? When you just keep walking with him... And to realize that you're doing the best that you can and you just bring your petitions, whatever it is, whatever your need is. He says, I want you to bring it to me. Cast all your care upon me for he cares for us. Hallelujah. And the peace of God, when you can lay your head down at night and you have peace, then you're in the right position with almighty God. Hallelujah. He tells us how to have these right thinkings in verse number eight of chapter four. He said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are 
of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. How do we have that peace of mind in our lives? Bringing our petitions to him and have this is where the battlefield is, folks, right up here. What's in your mind? What's in your thoughts? Hallelujah. This is what you think on the things that are pure, honest, just. Amen. Good report. If there's be any uh, praise, think on these things. And what's the promise for this? Verse nine and the God of peace shall be with you. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord greatly. He says in verse 10, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned that whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full, to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. A lot of times we kind of take that out of context where we think, well, I can climb Mount Everest, you know. Because I know that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And that might apply. But Paul's here saying, I know how to be abased. I know how to be humbled. I know how to be brought low. I know how to be lifted up. It doesn't matter what state I'm in. I'm there with content. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's how we're going to make it through, folks. Realizing no matter where we're at, no matter what condition that we're in, I can do all things through Christ. He can help us. And just close with this verse number 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what you need. Doesn't matter where you're at. God's going to supply all your need. Now it doesn't say all your wants. But everything you need, God's going to supply. You believe that? That God's going to take care of you and he's going to keep you and supply everything that you need in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we just got to get our mindset and get it in tune with Almighty God because what we think we need. I heard somewhere where I think it was 50 years ago. I'm making up these numbers, but it was a long time ago. The people were asked, you know, what was it that you need? And the people back then, however long that was, um, said they needed 70 things they listed, 70 things they, that they actually needed. And in today's world, they said it's over 500 things that people list that they actually need. So it's not about our needs. We think we need these things, but what we really need is Jesus Christ at the center of our life. Hallelujah. And he's going to supply everything we need. Let's all stand tonight. Amen, amen been a great audience tonight let's pray heavenly father we love you thank you for your word just pray god that you would help us god to just to lean upon you and to trust in you for all things jesus we know that the power is in your word and we just pray that it'll do its work in the hearts and the minds of each and every individual we love you lord we praise you we give you all the glory and all the honor in jesus name we pray everybody say amen